Basically, Romans 7 says God's law is forever good and holy. If you look back through 12 and 14 and 16 and 22, all the way through, God's law is good and holy. And, and Paul said, I delight in it, but my flesh doesn't. And there's this constant conflict. And so when he talks about law, remember I told you about looking at the back of the box and people say, well, there's something bad that we're not supposed to have in the law. Yeah, look what it is. The Ten Commandments are never said to be bad. They're God's law. Jesus said that. He says the law is the Ten Commandments. The Pentateuch, Jesus calls God's law. That's all the first five books. All that stuff is the law of God, that it is perfect, it is true, it is right, it is is never going away. Either it's a reflection uh, or an illustration, but it's still God's character that is changeless. The entire Old Testament, by the time we get to Luke 24, just before Christ's ascension, he says the whole Old Testament is God's law. It's the Holy Scripture, which Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all Scripture, including Leviticus and Ezekiel and Hosea and Amos, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. What part is bad? It's right here. Jesus spends an entire time in multiple occasions, but especially the first nine verses of Matthew 15, saying the traditions of the scribes and Pharisees are not God's law. Why is that? Because those things are all about self-righteousness, that I write a law code I can keep, and I keep it, and I want you to keep it too. And I become a, a policeman to say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. I don't do that. You shouldn't do that. And, and there's no writing of the law of God by God on our hearts. It is me making up rules that you're supposed to keep to be self-righteous, and that's where this term, do you know what legalism means? Legalism has nothing to do with the way you dress or where you shop. It's believing, in the biblical context, that if you get circumcised, you'll go to heaven. Wow. That's amazing. How did they think that? Because they thought if they had an external, visible sign of something, that it made a reality. So they believed that offering sacrifices or being circumcised or following all the Sabbath day rules, and they thought righteousness was attained through external conformity. And Jesus, remember last week? He said, no, it's not the outside I'm concerned about as much as the inside. I want you to have a new heart. I don't want you to learn a set of rules and operate on this, this set of rules and just kind of like a minefield and you walk from rule to rule and you keep them and you make sure everybody else stays on the tiles with you. I want you to, from your heart, love me so much that you say, God, your holy word, your law reveals that that's wrong. I don't want to do it. Not because anybody else is going to see me, but because you're watching and in my heart, I no longer want to do that. See, that's what, what was wrong with the Pharisees is that they had made the law keepable. And God wanted the law unkeepable so it would lead people to Christ. So it would make us realize that apart from him, we can do nothing. And so what Jesus offers is this. As lost sinners, we're confronted with God's law. It's perfect. And as soon as we run into something perfect, we fall short, if we're honest. Because we're all painfully aware, if we're honest, of our fallenness, our sinfulness, our weakness, our inability to keep God's perfection. So as lost sinners, we hate the light of his law exposing our sins. We hide from it. We cover our sins. And we find rules we can keep, and we proudly keep them. 
But God's law keeps declaring nothing we do apart from Christ could ever please God. So what happens? We start being smitten by all of the awareness of the law of God that we break, and we finally say, God, I can't do anything. And he points us to Christ. And we cling and hold to Christ. And Paul said this. He said, it's not I, but Christ living in me. And any time that I'm not behaving correctly, it's because it's Paul doing it. But any time my life reflects God's righteousness, it's Christ living. Do you know what Martin Luther said? Martin Luther was so practical, the great reformer. He said that what I do when I hear Satan knocking at the door is either I go and answer the door and I fail, or I tell Jesus to go answer the door, and he always wins. And that's what Romans 7 is all about inviting Christ to answer the door. So God's standard never changes. It's just our response does. Before salvation, the law condemned us and killed us. After salvation, the law is a delightful reminder. God is perfect. God expects perfection. We are imperfect. Only when we cling to Christ as the perfection of God do we find the hope of Christ's righteousness and Christ in us, the hope of glory. Every time we sin, we confess, agreeing that God's law is truth, and we failed again. By the way, the, the whole grammar, this is one of the first lessons when you go to biblical Greek. I wish I would have known that because I took five years of the stuff. You learn it all the first day. The first John 1 John 1.9 says this. I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to know about Greek. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us. So you have actually three wonderful tenses of verbs that you can learn from. Confess is what's called present active indicative. I am constantly to be characterized by confessing. Cleansing is also the same. I am constantly to be enjoying the shower of Christ's cleansing. Christ forgiving me is a past event that happened once. An aorist tense. Jesus died once for all on the cross. And he, in that moment, forgave. He, he offers the payment of forgiveness never to be repeated. So if I come to him and say, I, by faith, identify with your death on the cross for me, that you on that cross saw my life, past, present, and future, and you, by one sacrifice forever, completely paid the price for every sin from 1956 through 2015 to the last day I breathe, Jesus paid it all once. Then every time I sin, the law of God reminds me that I don't conform to the perfection of Christ. So I say, I agree with you, God. Once again, I responded in an unchristlike way. I thought an unchristlike thought. I said an unchristlike word. And Jesus said, mm hmm, and I've already forgiven you of that. And you don't have to beg me, and you don't have to flail yourself, and you don't have to go through penance and, and you know, mope around for quite a while. You don't have to merit my forgiveness. I've freely given it to you. What you do need to do, remember what Jesus said to Peter? 
He says, if you've taken a bath, you only need your feet washed. You only need the daily constant cleansing. It's kind of like uh, when one of those big fat bugs by the swamps hits my windshield, I do not need to pull off, get in the lake, and wash the whole car. I just go with the windshield wipers. The cleansing is constantly needed. The forgiveness is once and for all. The confession is ongoing. That's how God's law leads us to Christ.